Hi there, and welcome to episode number 383 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I'm Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books. With me today are Amanda, Kiki, Ellen, and AJ. We are still recapping our favorite books that we read in 2019. Amanda and I are going to talk about the loss of my coffee maker and about her favorites of 2019, including how glad she is that there's more science fiction for her to enjoy. And we talk about her favorite historical romance, Sex Puppy Hero. Kiki is talking about a book that transformed her way of holding her body. Ellen brilliantly sneaks in six books into their top five. And AJ shares what authors and books rocked their world. Hint, there may be lesbian necromancers, possibly. I hope you are enjoying these reading recaps and that you'll share with us what books have rocked your world this year, too. You can get in touch with us at sbjpodcast at gmail.com or you can call 1-201-371-3272 and leave us a message or just tell me a bad joke. I have so many in my inbox. It's amazing. I love them so much. Today's podcast is sponsored by Forever Friends by Sarah McKenzie and brought to life by the brilliant dual narration of Linda Henning and Tara Ox. Perfect for fans of Susan Mallory and Jill Shalvis, two mothers, one pregnant, one sending her child to college, form an unlikely friendship, finding love, hope, and a new start at life in this charming laugh-out-loud audiobook. A little romance for one and a confidence boost for the other, and for both of them, self-discovery, sisterhood, and a whole lot of pie. If you love girlfriends supporting girlfriends, and of course, pie. This is the audiobook for you. Forever Friends by Sarah McKenzie is available wherever audiobooks are sold. Find out more and get your oral romance fixes from hachetteaudio.com. And stay tuned after the podcast. I have an audiobook sample of Forever Friends by Sarah McKenzie, courtesy of Hachette Audio and Nita Basu. Thank you. Our transcript this week is brought to you by our Patreon community, which is entirely filled with wonderful human beings. If you have supported the show, thank you so much. You help keep the show going and you make sure every episode is accessible. If you are enjoying the podcast and would like to join our Patreon community, please have a look at patreon.com slash smartbitches. Monthly pledges begin at $1 per month and help keep us going each week. Hello again, and thank you to our Patreon community. I hope you are having a wonderful holiday season. I will have links... To all of the books, do not worry. I will tell you what music this is, though I bet you already know. And I have an absolutely dreadful joke to end the episode. We're going to begin with Amanda. And we're going to talk about our favorite books of 2019. On with the podcast. I just want you to know that I have suffered a most grievous tragedy this weekend. Uh, Our coffee maker broke. Oh, you have my condolences. Oh, it sucked out loud. It was so bad that like we're standing there. I come downstairs and Adam is standing at the counter and the parts of the coffee maker are all over the counter. And I'm like, I'm going to go to Starbucks. I have credit left over from my last trip. I'm going to go to Starbucks. We will not handle this without caffeine because you can't (laughs) fix the coffee maker unless you're caffeinated. Like you just can't. (laughs) I just picture Adam standing there with like smoke coming out of the coffee maker. (laughs) It was giving error codes that don't make any sense. And we did a lot of research um, and we think it's dead, which is very sad. We have an older one that we like got out of the garage and like we were busy coming up with a backup plan and another backup plan and a third backup plan because not only do I drink coffee and Adam drinks coffee, but uh, my older son is a high school freshman. And do you know how early he has to go to school? Oh, yeah. I don't miss that at all. No, he's like, this is dumb. And can I have coffee? And we're like, oh, yeah, absolutely. You can have <laughs> coffee. No problem. Are you going to give the old coffee maker a Viking burial? Just send it out you to know, sea and light it on fire. I think I have to take it out to the transfer station, which is where the recycling (laughs) that is technology goes for the county. I think I have to bring it out there because there's too many electronic components for me to just chuck it. I think I have to take it to a special place. See, I've never been- And then chuck it. (laughs) I've never been to a transfer station, but in my mind, I just picture you cradling your your broken coffee maker- Walking this like desolate desert area littered with like the graves of other pieces of technology. And the wind is blowing. Yes, yeah. and you're just scouting the perfect place to lay your coffee maker to rest. I'm pretty pissed at it. I might drop kick it. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> chuck it. 
But yeah, I'm in a position where it's like our, our coffee situation is precarious and it is not good. Oh boy. Soon the like <laughs> Wendell household is just going to dissolve into chaos the longer they oh, yeah. go without coffee. Oh yeah. Smoke will be coming out like through the little exhaust vents and my neighbors <laughs> will be like, we're hearing weird noises. <laughs> or the smoke could be a signal that like a new coffee maker has been chosen. <laughs> Habemos cafe. <laughs> All right. So what were your favorite books of 2019? So I had to do some research and look at what I've read because 2019 has been a long year. Hasn't it been? A, have you seen all these <laughs> threads of like, here's what happened in the past decade? And I'm like, I feel so fucking old. And I'm just looking at 2013. Well, I was looking at books that I read and I'm like, oh, shit. That was in February of this year. <laughs> I thought that was last year. Um, so out of my top five, three of them were published this year. And two of them are more backlist titles that I haven't mentioned on the site. And then I just like read and really enjoyed. Um, so we'll start with the ones that I read for Smart Bitches. And... It'll probably be a no-brainer for those who have, I don't know, read my reviews or kind of remember those things. Uh, Polaris Rising, which was this year in January or February. Um, And I'm just so glad there's more sci-fi romance going on. For too long, there has been nothing, I feel like. Yeah. And... I'm just kind of really glad that this series is doing well and it exists. And the second book just came out and I reviewed that. Um, But yeah, Polaris Rising. The next one, Bride Test by Helen Hong. She's so good. She's one of those authors that makes me so glad to read the genre and that, you know, like her words are out in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Like you get to be alive at the time of this book and you get to experience it. Yes. And it's definitely one of those books where you get jealous of other people who get to experience it for the first time. (laughs) That's big praise. That's real big praise. And at the bookstore that I work part-time at, that was my best of 2019 staff pick. Um, Wow. So it's on like a little display. It Um, It has its own little podium. Yeah, it does. Nice. And like a little little shelf talker. I don't know if anyone reads those, but <laughs> it's there. Um, and then the third one that I reviewed for the site uh, was Blacksmith Queen. Oh, yeah. Which was just so fun. It was so wild. And I remember. Cathartic. Yes. So cathartic. I remember being worried that it wasn't romance-centric, and it wasn't, um, but that was okay. And I should have never doubted G.A. Aiken slash Shelley Lawrenston. I was a fool. <laughs> so those were my three that I've talked about on the site that I just really loved. They're all different in the feel yeah. of them, all of them gave me like really good experiences. My other picks are So Wild by Eve Dangerfield. I picked this one up on a whim. Um, I think someone in my romance book club had mentioned Eve Dangerfield. And for a while, people kept talking about her book act your age which has like an age difference i think and was not my thing it's not my catnip so i didn't read that one but i was very curious about her books because everyone's like it's pretty sex positive it's you know really hot and steamy and her characters are great so i was rooting through her backlist like a little truffle pig and (laughs) (laughs) and i landed on so wild which came out last year And it's about a trio of sisters who take over their father's tattoo business. And the father is adorable. And I won't tell you what happens to the father. 
but he becomes out of the picture. Not dead, but he's just out of the picture. And he is this lovely, hippie, like, I can't remember if he's vegetarian or vegan, but this lovely, like, hippie tattooed dad who is an uber feminist and loves his three daughters. And I hope at some point Eve writes a a book about him and him finding a happy ever after because he's just he kind of like stole the show in the scenes that he was in um the oldest daughter and the youngest daughter are both in the tattoo industry the oldest is local and works at the shop the youngest is kind of like an influencer and as someone you and I both follow a lot of tattoo artists on Instagram that's what she does she like shows her yes. work on Instagram and is like Instagram famous for her tattoo work and the middle daughter is like the buttoned up uh daughter who has kind of left the fold and like works it has like an MBA or like works in accounting or something like that and all the three sisters come together once their dad leaves to kind of like revitalize the shop. And this story is about the oldest sister and their former next door neighbor who they kind of had a, you know, enemies to lovers secret crush thing going on. And he moves away and now he's back as an adult and he's hunky. Isn't that always what happens? Yes. And it was just really sexy and really good. The second book which I haven't read yet, that I don't know why I didn't immediately read after this one because it's my jam is the buttoned-up sister and one of the tattoo artists at the shop who speaks, like, five words in a day. Like, he is stoic and gruff and doesn't talk. Um, So, yeah, I just really liked it a lot. I will definitely be checking out more of her books and i might even read act your age even though it's not necessarily my catnip just just because i enjoyed the character so much in this one book and then my last one i finally read it and i get what all the fuss is about (laughs) i understand now you you get it I read A Week to be Wicked by Tessa Dare. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And you are not a historical person. I'm not, but I read it. I picked it up because I think I was, like, in a slump. 2019 has been the year of slumps. In so Um, many ways, right? I don't know what it is. Something is in the air. But I picked this one up because... I wanted to continue the series. I read the first book and thought it was okay. You know, it was lovely and it was nice, but the characters weren't my, like, tropey goodness. And this one was, and I'm like, okay, well, why don't I just read it? Yeah. And so I checked it out from the library, and I was up until 2 o'clock in the morning reading this. And... It was so good and so lovely, and it's like a hug, right? Yes, and These I books think are I, like a hug. We talked about, I think, Colin, the hero on the Sex Puppy Rec League. Yes, he's totally uh, yeah, he's a yeah, sex puppy. Uh, and it's just so good. And I loved kind of the opening of the heroine just like storming into. His house at into Colin's house at night. He's like, listen, you've been flirting with my sister. I don't approve of it. She deserves better than you. So I will give you all the money I win from this scientific contest if you just leave my sister alone and go to London and never come back. (laughs) But it was wonderful. And I get why it's a favorite for many Tessa Dare fans. I read another Dare I think like the year before when a Scott ties the knot, which was also very good. And I think like Elise gave it an A um, or an A minus, but I can't decide between the two, which one I liked more because they were both so good. Uh, but they gave me the, the exact same feeling of like a nice warm hug and being exactly what you need. If I have to, you know, describe 
or pick a book that gives you the ultimate romance reading experience. Mm-hmm. I think a week to be wicked would be high on that list. It is like the finest high grade historical cozy romance. Yes. And I loved it. It was fun. It made me cry in a good way. Yeah. Are you going to read the next few books in the series? Yes, slowly but surely. Um, The next one I think is about like the teacher and then like there's the guy who like who's always loved her. Um, If I remember correctly, I can't remember the title. Yes. Um, But there are so many books just in general. There's so many books. It's like, yeah, that one sounds good and I'll read it eventually (laughs) there are so many books being published now it can be really overwhelming i'm just one day i'm just going to be crushed to death by the towers of books in my house like (laughs) i know that's how i'm gonna go out that's fine (laughs) that's fine all those shelves uh well trust me the space fills up quickly (laughs) (laughs) and now there's like no more space for shelves so they're just little mini piles scattered at the moment. Of course. Yep. So well, those were my my five that I read in 2019 that were just lovely and wonderful. So I'm Kiki, um, and I am currently I'm in a phone room in my office building on my um, lunch break because <laughs> we have these very cool little like phone rooms that sort of help block sound. So I figured I'd snag one of those for this. And I'm in Boston. Sweet. I love those rooms that get super quiet. I find them yeah. very restful. Yes, they are. They're like, and they're, you know, it's, it's, I kind of like it because there aren't any windows. It's kind of like a safe, what are those, um, like panic room things? Yeah. <laughs> Which I think says a lot about my personality that I feel very comfortable in panic rooms. <laughs> I like being in spaces that are really quiet. When I yes. can't control what I'm hearing, it stresses me out. Yes. Yep. Same. I listen to, um, like, I tend to listen to a lot of, like, white noise and stuff like that. Oh, my um, gosh. Me too. Just because, like, even, like, being able to control, like, the sounds that I'm hearing. And also, yes. if I listen to enough white noise, I, like, stop realizing that it's happening. And that is, like, a very... I like feel like I reach a certain like plane of transcendence or something. <laughs> yes, I know exactly what you mean. I have all of these different things that I listen to while I work. Actually, before we started recording, mm-hmm. I was listening to a three-hour YouTube stream of a library during a thunderstorm with a fireplace. So oh, every so I often you'd it. hear some like like a pencil scratching on some yeah. paper and then you'd hear thunder and rain and a fire crackling and you'd hear someone turn a page. And I was like, I don't know what it is about this, but it is hitting the exact right spot in the back yes. of my brain. And I am just so relaxed right now. Oh, <laughs> yes. I um, I in college found a 10 hour and it's called Celestial White Noise. Oh, and it oh, is how I graduated oh. college. It's incredible. <laughs> <sighs> oh, man. Celestial white noise. Yeah. Sounds like I, a dream. It, it was fantastic. And there were some days where I would I would uh, get through the whole 10 hours. So, <laughs> Oh, man. So tell me, yes. what books did you absolutely love this year? Oh, this was, this was a lot of fun to like put the list together and also just sort mm-hmm. of like reflect on how varied my reading has been this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've come up with four titles and two of them are sort of just like authors in general that were like blew me away this year. Um, So my first is actually, I know it's been brought up on the podcast before, but um, earlier this year I read From Here to Eternity by Caitlin Doughty, which is- I love that book. I love it so much. And I sort of like picked it up on a whim and it just like blew me away. One of the, I think the really interesting consequences of having- read it is that it because it was talking so much about like the human body and like how we treat the body in death it actually 
I think helped relieve some of my own body anxiety that I've been dealing with for years and years, which is sort of an odd thing because my my body is very much alive and Caitlin Dowdy is really talking, you know, talking about bodies after death, but there's something about normalizing the body in death just like felt like it was normalizing bodies in general. Um, Oh no, I totally understand what you mean. After I read that book, I began thinking of my body as my house. This is the house I live in. I'm not trading it in. I can't get another one. My Mm -hmm. brain and this house, they go together. And it is my job to figure out how to best care for my home. And when I started thinking of my body as my home, it changed the way I thought about it and treated it and and talked to it even. And reading about her travels around the world. Mm -hmm. So so basically the book is the one where she travels around the world and learns about how different cultures interact with the dead Mm -hmm. and their own dead, basically. Yeah, yeah. It was it was transformative for how I looked at my own body too. I completely agree with you. Yeah, and just just like it brought out in me, like you said, just like this deep desire to care for my body as like something that is that is living and one day will die. And like I wanted to like hold myself very very gently. Um, yes, that's it was just like this very beautiful like transcend. I remember like crying on the tea reading it because <laughs> it was just like. <laughs> It's it's so it's so beautiful, and I think it it um one of the things that I always you worry about when white people travel to other countries and write about their cultures um, is like a feeling of voyeurism, making things exotic, and and that was really not the experience of the book at all. No, and, I think it's because she's so fluent in yeah. all things dead. Yes, yeah, yeah, um, and so there was such a beautiful care given in the writing of the book. And yes, I I love that. I think that um, that sort of comes out in some of the other books I'm also going to talk about, even though they are much different, that like the, the care with which it's held is something that's just like really, really important to me. So I completely agree. That is such a great choice too. What other books do you want to talk about? Okay. So the next ones are all, we're, we're transitioning into, into all romances from moving forward. So the next book I want to talk about um, is Wicked in the Wallflower by Sarah McLean, um, which I think came out last year, I believe. I'm not totally sure, um, but I read it earlier this year. It was actually one of the books that I wrote about when I was applying to become a reviewer. It was 100% my favorite historical of the year. And so it's the first book in her Bare Knuckle Bastards series. And it was full of really good brother angst, which I love. I love good brother angst. <laughs> um, <laughs> and had my favorite type of heroine, which is someone who just kind of makes a total nuisance of themselves. <laughs> There's something about women who just kind of appear into the hero or maybe the other heroine's life and just kind of really wreck it in a beautiful, in a beautiful way. <laughs> and not necessarily because they're trying to cause trouble, but just because their entrance sort of disrupts everything the other person knew to be true about themselves in the world. In this book particularly, Felicity, who's the heroine, was one of those people who just like talking circles around the hero, <laughs> which is also something that I really love where you just sort of get a hero who ends up tied up in his own knots by by everything the heroine sort of sweeps into his life. Yes. Heroines like that take up space. And I love yes. that. Yes. That's that's the perfect way to put it. She had such a, such a presence. Historicals are such a big subgenre you know I don't I don't expect them to always be super super groundbreaking or like they're showing me something that is brand brand new um, but I sort of felt like this one did um, and that I think part of that was the setting it was like very much removed from like a like a ballroom romance which obviously there are a ton of historicals that do that the atmosphere of this book in particular was was so rich and alive even though it was like mostly in the dark and like I think almost exclusively took place at night. It felt it felt like something new, um, which, like I said, like sometimes historicals don't always do that for me, and I don't always I don't need them to. I know what I I like knowing what I'm getting into sometimes. Um, but this one felt it felt like it was opening new doors. That was like deeply deeply exciting to me. And so, book number three 
is I have it written down in my notes <laughs> to myself as get a life Chloe Brown by Tali Hibbert slash Tali Hibbert at large. <laughs> um, <laughs> if I had to choose just one that I, that was my favorite out of the year, get a life Chloe Brown was my favorite by her of the year, but I read her for the first time this year. And if I had to make a big long list, I think a bunch of her books would be on it. Um, but so get a life Chloe Brown was, um, I think believe came out at the beginning of November and is about, you know, a grumpy, chronically ill heroine who sort of falls in love with a grumpy former artist hero, which is also one of my just, I love grumpy people. I really do. I think part of it is that I am also a grumpy person very often. So I like seeing myself in that. One of the things that really loved about this book was that it it wasn't like a heroine, you know, starts out grumpy and, and becomes ungrumpy. She very much, uh, very much sticks to it for, for the duration of the book, which I love. Like, like I mentioned, um, Chloe, who's the female lead, is chronically ill. She has fibromyalgia um, and chronic pain. One of the things that sticks out to me most, there's this line and I don't, I don't know if it was part of the narration or if a character actually said it, but it, the line is basically talking about how folks with disabilities are not de-sexed. Um, they don't stop being sexual, sexual beings. It feels deeply revolutionary every time I see something like that written in, in a romance. I, I recommended this book to someone um, that I work with, and she was like over, <laughs> overjoyed when I sort of gave her a brief summary of it. And she was like, like, isn't it so nice to like see people that like feel like real people in romance novels? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> it's fantastic. And the other thing that I really stood out to me about Tali Hibbert's books in at large um, is that there's this really beautiful balance of like funny and serious in a way that does not compromise on either. It's genuinely funny. It's not... Um, like working really hard to be funny, which is one of my biggest pet peeves. Um, no, it's not a gimmick. Yeah, it's not a gimmick. It's not trying to be quirky. Um, it's not trying to be cutesy. Um, it's just like genuine, genuinely really funny and is able to hold space for deeply serious emotional traumas. The, the balance always just feels just right. And that is something that I think is really, really hard to make happen. And it's something that I am often searching for. And so finding it in Talia Hibbert's books, especially in Get a Life, Chloe Brown, like feels, it feels like I won something. <laughs> yeah. And the sort of the last thing that I'll say about Get a Life, Chloe Brown is that, I, so I am um, deeply invested in HEAs that don't rely on marriage or children as proof of a relationship's success, especially in heterosexual couplings, because I feel like they just don't happen as often as I would like. Mm -hmm. I have a very, very deep investment in that there are other ways to be happy that are not mm -hmm. like inherently heteronormative. You don't always have to have the government involved. <laughs> right, exactly. We don't, you know, you don't always have to, you know, sign off ownership of half your stuff um <laughs> without hopefully giving away too much of the ending the the ha is very much tied to um this idea of of people working on their emotional health and yeah. healing and like it it sort of ends with this idea of i'm committed to working on me and i'm committed to working on us that is something that is deeply romantic to me it's just the idea of like it is not perfect now. I'm working on being better and being a healthier version of myself because I deserve that. Yes. And I'm working on, yes. on doing that because we deserve that. And like that commitment to growth and that commitment and to work. healing and work. Yeah. And, yeah. Is like, uh, it's yeah. Like it's like one of the most romantic things I can think of, of like, I am genuinely going to try to be to be a better version of myself is like, that's the, I think maybe the biggest HEA that I could imagine in a lot of ways. I, I say sometimes that when, when a romance novel does its job, right, I can feel it in my chest and like I, you know, my chest sort of tightens in this really nice way and it feels feel like I feel it in my body. And that's how I felt reading Dead Life, Chloe Brown. 
my next and last pick is... Bring it on. I, I think this is my favorite erotic romance of the year. Maybe one of my favorite romances ever, I mm-hmm. think. Um, and that is Private Eye by Katrina Jackson. So this is the second book in the um, Spies Who Loved Her series. Right. Now, I do not tend to read romances with like law enforcement. It's just not, it's not what I do. It's not what I like. I'm not super interested in like spy novel stuff either. I think Mm -hmm. because I watched too many crime procedurals growing up. (laughs) (laughs) That'll happen. Yeah. So I'm sort of over it at this point, but um, I sort of just randomly picked up the first book in this series and really liked it. Um, And then I was like, well, I guess I'll just read the second one. The second one blew my socks off, changed my life. I get like fluttery just thinking about it. (laughs) I just (laughs) like fills me with like such warmth and joy and like, it's phenomenal in all ways that a book can be phenomenal. So it's about uh, a woman named Maya, who's a um, plus size black woman, and she is a cam model. Um, so she's a sex worker and, uh, her love interest is Kenny, who is a spy, um, Asian American spy, um, who started, he, he basically started watching her channel to, cause he needed to run like a background check on her because her mm-hmm. roommate, um, was being, was the main character of the first book and he needed to run a background check basically on, right. on Maya, um, and so he watched once to run his background check, and then he just kept coming back. <laughs> Essentially, fall, you know, falls in love with this this can model who he builds. You know, they have private chats and stuff like that, and they sort of build a a relationship like that. And eventually, they're brought together when the CIA needs to use her chat page, basically, to I think I think it's to hunt down a arms dealer, I believe. As you do. Um, as you do. It's, it sounds absolutely wild and it works <laughs> so well. Part of what works really, really well in, I think in this as like a erotic spy thing is that like the sex and the spying are like inherently connected. And so it, every, it flows so smoothly. So you're like doing spy stuff and she's doing like one of her like um like shows and it's it's like I never would have thought of it and it is phenomenally done (laughs) um that's so cool it's it's so so cool it's intertwined it's like intertwined beautifully there are a lot of things that like I really adored but one of the things that stood out to me most in this book is that so Maya like I said, she's a cam model, so she's a sex worker, and she is like really proud of her work and like works really hard. And it's seen by everyone in her life as like a very legitimate career because it is. Yeah. Um, and so, like, when she has a milestone that happens, like on the website that she works on, and it's treated like a major career milestone. And like celebrated by by the people around her, and it was it felt so pro sex work, and so like this. I consider this to be my gold standard of sex work in romance. Kenny was also deeply supportive of her sex work, and you know part of it was like they're that's what brought them together. That's how she how they sort of first interacted and, and first met. He loves her so loudly. It's like really beautifully overwhelming, sort of. I, I sort of love any book in which in which a, a black woman is being loved really, really loudly. Um, and it sounds like all of the books that you've picked have a theme of <laughs> characters and their emotions taking up ample space yes. as much as they want. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, people have feeling really big feelings. And that being okay and, and being celebrated and, and sort of being cared for and being held, um, the space is held for, for 
really big emotions in, in all directions. Um, and also that having those people sort of be held in their really big emotions too, um, I think sort of was, was a bit of a trend for me <laughs> this year. Um, it's a good trend. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Hoping, hoping to carry it, carry it into, into 2020. So. This is Ellen. I am in Chicago. Very cool. I think it's one of my favorite places, except when the weather is trying to kill me. Yeah. Yeah. Which is unfortunately about 50% of the time. Easily 50, easily 50%. (laughs) So. What were some of your favorite books of 2019? So my initial list was really long and I had to try to pare it down a little bit. Yeah, um, I've heard that. <laughs> <laughs> heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say my top five that I read this year would be Crier's War by Nina Varela. Um, the books two and three of the Regency Imposter series by Kat Sebastian uh, Gideon the Ninth, um, the most recent Hidden Legacy book by Alona Andrews, Sapphire Flames, and The King's Man by Elizabeth Kingston, which I think did not come out in 2019, but I read in 2019. Well, like I said, every book is a new book to whoever has not read it yet. Mm-hmm. So, so I know from your review, and I know from the book that Crier's War is incredible. What made it one of your favorites this year? Um, I think the quality of the prose was really gripping and unusual in a way that really stood out to me. I am, I'm not the kind of person who feels like I need really like dazzling prose to Mm -hmm. enjoy a book, but I felt like it was just so poetic and the imagery was so rich that it really made me like linger over the book and really savor it, which kind of made everything else that I liked about the book like stand out even more. Like I thought the world building was incredible. I thought the main relationship was really interesting. So yeah, I guess those are the reasons. Did you highlight a lot of it? Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> so what about the Cat Sebastian books? Tell me about them, please. Those are just really really comforting, like warm books, especially like um, it's, it's really nice to read books where especially like bisexuality is so is treated as just such like a normal thing and like a part of life, especially super ordinary, right? Yes. Especially in a historical book, because I feel like that's not something you see a lot Um, And her dialogue is just incredible. It's so snappy and witty. And um, yeah, they're just really like warm, fun books. Oh, well, that's picks one, two, and three, right? Yes. Although I counted Regency Imposters as one entry. No, you don't have to. You can you, you can squeeze it both in there, and I won't. I won't. Okay. I'm bad at math. Like I said, there won't be any math. I'm very bad at math. Okay, great. So what about Sapphire Flames? Have you read the whole series? I have, and I love them. They're my favorite Alona Andrews books. Um, So I was really excited to learn more about the other siblings. And um, I kind of thought going into it, I had not been super interested in the hero based on his sort of brief appearances in the other books. But then I thought actually in the book, it was became very interesting and mysterious. And now I'm very invested in the mystery and the relationship. Um, And I also just found the whole exploration of the idea of like having a power that makes people love you to be very intriguing. It's, it's a weird mix of, of a, like the familiar love potion trope and then the effect of actual human charm. Yes, exactly. Yes, it's very interesting. It is. It's really cool. I really like that. I feel like all of all Alona Andrews' books, they do a really good job exploring the sort of implications of whatever the kind of like supernatural element is. Like they always really fully explore what it would actually be like to have that. It's never just kind of like window dressing. 
Right. It's never, it's not like an accessory that you take on and off like a scarf. Like now I yeah. can make you love me, but I'll take it off and now you don't. Exactly. It's the, the implications and the and the meaning and the motivation that changes because you have this power is is something that's present in all of the world building. Yes. Love that. So tell me about Kingsman, the Kingsman book. Um, so I love that book for a few reasons. Um, I love whales. I almost focused in my undergraduate career on like medieval Welsh mythology. So I love whales, love that there's the whales connection, love that it's medieval. Um, I also thought the relationship, I mean, love that the heroine is like this badass warrior chick. Um, And I thought the relationship between the the heroine and the hero was kind of unusual and interesting. It was kind of like a slightly different twist on like enemies to lovers that I found satisfying. Have you read, speaking of whales, the Evan Evans mystery series by Reese Bowen? I have not. Okay. I, so huh, this is, this is a terrible recommendation because I love okay. the one Reese Bowen has a habit of having the romances of her characters in a long mystery series sort of spin their wheels and develop in very frustrating ways. Um, and in this particular one, I kind of want to smack the lead character on the head a couple of times. The other problem is that I love the audiobooks so much because they take place in uh Flanfire. I'm not doing that very well, but the, Audio, audio narrator is much better at Welsh than I am. Yeah. And there's lots and lots of Welsh, lots of it. Oh. And there's Evans. Evan Evans is the policeman. So he's Evans the law. And then there's a guy <laughs> named Evans who's the the butcher. So he's Evans the meat. And then there's Evans the milk, who is the dairy guy. And there's like a whole bunch of t- people in town named Evans. And this town is very small. And there's a staggering number of dead bodies in a small town, as is normal in these series. But they are so very much drenched in all things Welsh. Oh, I and love I, that. I really liked it. So whether you read them or you listen to the audio, the problem with the audio being I think the first four are recorded and then the other ones are not up until like book seven. It's really weird. Because Evans, Evan Evans is a police constable, he has the authority of the law, but compared to other members of the law enforcement around him from larger towns, he does not have a lot of power. Oh, intriguing. It's it's a really interesting power dynamic, and it is so Welsh. So much Wales. Very Wales. Much Welsh. Yes. <laughs> Are there any other books that you really want to, to mention or any stories that you're really looking forward to? Uh, we'll definitely need to shout out to Gideon the Ninth. Oh, please. I almost forgot to ask you about that. Um, did that rock your brain as much as it did everyone else's? It really did. Um, I think it takes a little while to really ramp up in terms of the action, but I found the kind of like flavor of the world, which is truly very bizarre. Like it's kind of modern, but it's like, and I mean, it's like the future and they're in space, but like everybody talks very colloquially, but there's also this whole element of like, there's all this like ritual and like nobility. Um, so it has this weird kind of like future past feeling yeah. that I really enjoyed. And they're teenagers. Yes. And they really are teenagers. Um, yes. And they're like kind of like teenage shitheads, which... <laughs> Which, like, I work with teenagers a lot, so love to have realistic, lovable teenage shitheads. Um, And, yeah, and the whole element of, like, it's, like, they're all kids and there's, like, minimal adult supervision and they're, like, all involved in things that are just, like, way over their heads. Um, But they're very, like, no, no, I got this. I got this. (laughs) Um, So I thought the characters were great. I thought... The humor was really good. So even though, like, I know that some people, I've I've seen that some people feel that the first maybe half of the book is, like, too, there's not enough, like, plot. But I thought, like, the world building and the dialogue were so fun that I didn't really mind. And it seems like the common experience for people who have loved this book is that in their minds, they hang out in that world after they're done. Yeah, it's like... Yeah, it's very like it's bonkers. And (laughs) I've definitely thought a lot about the world 
since finishing the book. And I'm very intrigued to see what happens in the next book, especially given everything that happened in the first book. I feel like we're going to see like a new dimension to this kind of universe. Yeah, I think the second book is going to be much discussed. Yes. uh, Both internally and on the internet. Yes. (laughs) It's already pre-ordered. So are there any other books you want to mention? Hmm. Well, I guess I would say I've spent, I'm really late to the party on Nalini Singh. And I've read most of the Psy Changeling series this year during 2019. And that's, wow. Oh, it's been delightful. It's like, whenever I feel like I'm in like a slump and I don't quite know what I want to read, I just like return to Psy Changeling and like read a couple books. And then I'm like, okay, I'm all good now. She is so consistent and that world is so complicated and fascinating. Yeah, I think it's like the consistency is probably what I appreciate the most because even when I think like my least favorite books in that series are still like very good and I feel like the margin between those and like the ones I've thought are were just amazing is not very wide. No. Which ones are your favorites? Um, I think uh all those titles are really similar, so I'm probably going to have to identify them through the <laughs> couple. That's totally um, normal for these series. Yeah. They, all of the titles are super similar, and it makes it confusing. So the one with so-and-so and that other guy, that yeah. makes much more sense. Yeah. So I think the one with Judd, which I think is Caressed by Ice, is one of my favorites. Um, the one with Counselor Crycheck is really good. I was not expecting him to turn out to be a hero based on the first few books. And the one with, I just read the one with the teleporter guy, basic. Mm-hmm. That one was also, I think, one of my favorites so far. I, I don't know. I tend to really enjoy the ones that have a psi hero more, I think. Oh, that's interesting. Because there are some people who are like, I only want the shifters. Bring me back. Why are there not more shifters? I want the shifters. Yeah. I mean, I like the shifters. Probably my favorite shifter one is Kiss of Snow. That is a good one. Um, But I don't know. I just kind of like, I definitely like that sort of like hard, like hard cerebral shell, like man learns how to feel emotions. Yeah. Except for this, for this world, it's like all of the people who are psi have to learn how to deal with emotions. They all have to learn how to feel emotions. Feelings are so annoying. Oh my God. Exactly. And I, I I For me, there's something more satisfying about reading about a man learning how to do that because I feel like that like mirrors like the real world a little more. Yeah, I know what you (laughs) mean. In general, it's like men spend so much of like boyhood and early manhood, like being told to suppress their emotions and be stoic. And like so and then I think it's true oftentimes that in the context of like an intimate relationship, they have to like relearn how to like go into that kind of vulnerable place to have like an authentic relationship. I like when the story has um, a a, a hero or character achieving emotional fluency, but not at the expense of the other character. Exactly. they, They recognize, yeah, they have to level up and that is their job and they have to do that. Yes. I love that. None of this like, Oh, you need to fix me. No, no, no. I need to level up. That's one of the things that I love most about a really well-developed romance over multiple books or- Yes, totally. Yeah. You have a character who realizes, I got to get my poop in a group in order to be on the same level as the person that I like. And that's on me. Truly getting the poop in a group. Very important. Right? Adulting is hard enough without having to make another person and an adult too. Unless you're actually raising humans, that's a different job. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Hey guys, so I am AJ. I'm one of the reviewers at Smart Bitches. um, And I particularly like to review um, paranormal and LGBTQ romances. And I am in North America in the cold, cold snowy mountains. Super awesome. So tell me, what are your favorite books of 2019? 
So my very favorite book of 2019, this is not going to surprise anyone, uh, was Gideon the Ninth. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably by a mile. I I love her writing. I love the characters. I am on the edge of my seat for the second one. It's, the suspense is killing me. I tried to get an arc and they were like, nah. And I was like, okay, I'll wait, but I'm not going to be patient about it. <laughs> what other books have you loved this year? So I really loved um, Sword Heart by T. Kingfisher is one. I think it actually came out this year or it may have been late 2018. But uh, T. Kingfisher is the pseudonym that Ursula Vernon uses when she writes adult novels. And um, I love I just love her voice. I don't know. Have you read any uh, Ursula Vernon at all? I haven't. So she writes um, a lot. She writes young adult fantasy. She wrote a comic book that actually won the Hugo uh, Digger, which is actually all available for free online. And I highly recommend that as well. I didn't uh, didn't read that for the first time this year, but I really love that. She has a very entertaining voice. It's very down to earth kind of um, Granny Weatherwax-ish is the, probably the best way I can describe it, where her characters are just like, well, I'm just getting on with things and all of this magic is happening around me and I just am going to deal with it and and not allow any nonsense. So um, really enjoy that. And this particular book is about a woman who inherits a house and her family is trying to get her to marry her cousin uh, so that he can have the inheritance. And so try, in trying to escape, she pulls a magic sword that has a warrior in it that is now like sworn to her service. And then they kind of go on the run together. That sounds really cool. I really, really enjoyed it. It's funny. It's got some, some good slow burn, which is really my thing. And like, I love that. slow burn. Right? It's, it's so, so very much my thing. This is not on my list, but I was just starting to read, um, a cat Sebastian book the other day and it was chapter two and they were about to like get busy. And I was like, but no, wait, it's too soon. Where's my pining? <laughs> I am a simple human. <laughs> I understand completely. You want the piney fresh hero or heroine. Exactly. Or both. Both is good. Both is fine. Um, exactly. Just lightly pine scented. <laughs> so what uh, other book would you like to mention empire of sand by tasha suri is another one that i really really loved um aria recommended that one to me and she has excellent taste um was, again very slow burn lots of pining there there are some moments where the consent is a little bit questionable because the heroes are jinn that are bound in service to a uh, somebody else so they don't have a ton of uh, autonomy but I thought she handled that very well for the constraint that that puts on it. And I didn't feel like at any point that it was rapey or, or non-consensual. It was just a little bit like that was something that had to be navigated. It didn't push over the line into non-consent for me. Part of the premise is that they are other. Oh, they're not Jin. They're um, Deva is the name of, of their like race and um and they can't break their promises so every time they make a vow they have to keep it and that one is like a fake marriage they have to make marriage vows to each other and so that's lots of fake relationship is another one of my catnips so So if you had to rank slow burn dragons fake relationship Oh, you're asking me to choose between my children here, Sarah. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, I think it would be that order. It would be slow burn, then dragons, then fake relationship. Or, you know, really all hard. three. All three is great. Anyone who wants to, like, send me a slow burn, fake relationship romance with dragons, I will be on that train all day. Trying to think now if I have <laughs> seen one. So the next one is actually not a romance, but it was a really, really interesting book that I feel like would be very relevant. Um, it's called Burnout: Unlocking the Secrets of the Stress Cycle. I love that book. Yes, awesome. <laughs> By Emily and Amelia Nagoski. I love I love Emily Nagoski's work in general, but that book blew my mind. 
there's so much good information in there about stress and managing stress. And um, I struggle with anxiety. So any of those techniques that I can use is super, super helpful. And just the way that they they talk about it was really, really um, accessible, I felt like. I loved what I learned about how the physical body processes stress. Yes, definitely. Excuse me. Just the finishing out the cycle is such a powerful concept. And I've, I've been sharing it with people left and right because it's like this makes so much sense for how you can just move past it and like close that, that loop. Those moments when you're like, they, they really get you with that. Like you may feel this way. And I'm like, are you in my house? Like, Hey now. <laughs> and, and it's written for women, but I feel like it's very, most of the content is very applicable, even if that's not how you identify there's some mostly I feel like they were addressing the like toxic stress that comes from being uh, female perceived in a patriarchal society. Do you know about their podcast? They have the 2020 Feminist Survival Podcast. I was not aware of that. The episodes are very short. They are drawn from the book and they talk about how to process stress with specific attention to the 2020 election and news cycle. Yep. Okay. I'm going to need that. I'm going to, I really am going to need that. (laughs) (laughs) The fifth one that I have on here, um, this was my lucky year in the sense that this was the year I discovered KJ Charles. It's really hard to not just have an entire list of her books. I had, I had to pick, which was also like choosing between children. But the one that I chose ultimately, I think that is my favorite favorite that I've read this year was uh, Spectre Dial. What I love so much about that one is the slow burn because I'm very predictable, but it's also the way that she addresses what the magical impact would have been if there had been a magical World War One, and just like the historical setting of that and the way she ties it in a little bit with um, Simon Fexmal, the casebook of Simon Fexmal, which was her kind of previous book in that world. And I just really enjoyed how much work and thought she obviously put into the setting and the impact on the characters. So what did you like about the romance of that book? I really liked that they were both in their various ways, these very broken characters. Um, They had, they both had PTSD. They both had, you know, one of them had lost his family and the other one had lost his reputation and that they were able to come together and, and, find ways to heal together, I thought was very powerful. And also they were very um, well suited to each other. Sometimes you read romance and, and it's like, well, like I kind of see how you guys get along, but, but not quite. And this one was just like, oh, of course. I would like to give an honorable mention in the KJ Charles category to Band Sinister, which is the closest thing that I've read to a Georgette Hare novel in a really long time. And that brings us to the end of this week's episode. My thanks to Amanda, to Kiki, Ellen, and AJ for connecting with me. And in case you are concerned, for some inexplicably wonderful reason, I'm assuming like holiday customer service maybe, Breville is fixing our coffee maker despite it being two and a half years out of warranty. Either way, it's on its way back to us. We're very excited. So uh, extra big thank you to Breville for fixing our coffee maker. (laughs) If you would like to get in touch with us and tell us A how much you love your coffee maker or which books rocked your world. I'm interested in both. You can email us at sbjpodcast at gmail.com or call 1-201-371-3272 and leave us a brief message. We would love to hear from you. Today's podcast is sponsored by Forever Friends by Sarah McKenzie and brought to life by the brilliant dual narration of Linda Henning and Tara Ox. Perfect for fans of Susan Mallory and Jill Shalvis, Two mothers, one pregnant, one sending her child to college, form an unlikely friendship, finding love, hope, and a new start at life in this charming laugh-out-loud audiobook. A little romance for one and a confidence boost for the other, and for both of them, self-discovery, sisterhood, and a whole lot of pie. If you love girlfriends, supporting girlfriends, and of course, pie, this is the audiobook for you. Forever Friends by Sarah McKenzie is available wherever audiobooks are sold. Find out more and get your aural romance fix 
from HachetteAudio.com. And stay tuned after the episode, I have a sample of this audiobook for you to enjoy. And if you're enjoying the audiobook samples appended to the end of the episodes, would you let me know? I, I'm curious if they, you enjoy them as much as I enjoy listening to them while I'm in post-production. I'd love to know what you think. Thank you again to our Patreon community. If you would like to join our Patreon community, it would be wonderful if you did. The community keeps the show going, helps me make sure every episode is accessible to everyone, and is generally made up of truly wonderful human beings. Monthly pledges begin at a dollar a month. You can have a look at patreon.com slash smartbitches. Thank you and happy holidays to our Patreon crew. You are keeping the show going, and this week's episode transcript is entirely brought to all of you by you. Yeah, that works. The music you're listening to is Deviations Project. It's Dusty Fiddle's time, and this is Coventry Carol. You can find this album at Amazon, iTunes, or wherever you buy your funky music. I will have links to our rec league about sex puppy heroes in case you're looking for more. I will have links to the YouTube channels we talked about, including that ancient library room with pencil scratching and thunderstorms. I've been listening to it constantly. And to the 2020 Feminist Survival Project. I will also link to all of the books we discussed, so do not worry. As always, bad joke time. You ready? I told I told this one to my husband while we were waiting to pick up our dinner. He actually laughed. And then I told it to my son and he groaned at me. So, you know, I want to know what you think of this one. I like this one a lot. <clears throat> you ready? Okay, here we go. What kind of doctor is Dr. Pepper? Give up. What kind of doctor is Dr. Pepper? A physician. <laughs> Isn't that dumb? I love it. That comes from G Smith123. And like I said, I'm 50-50 on members of my family enjoying this one. <laughs> physician. On behalf of everyone here, we wish you the very best of reading. Have a wonderful, wonderful day and the rest of your week. We'll be back next week with our final episode recapping our favorite books of 2019. And I hope you'll share with us which ones you loved most as well. Smart Podcast Trashy Books is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find outstanding podcasts to subscribe to at frolic.media slash podcasts. Sadie Landry sliced a handful of strawberries to stir into her toddler's Greek yogurt cup, absently humming along to the Pop 4 Kids playlist on the iPhone she'd propped against a stack of picture books. As she peeled back the foil top, the scent of sour dairy roiled her stomach, and she lurched with a gag. Good Lord! Had it gone bad? She checked the expiration date. Two weeks away. Weird. Since when had the scent of yogurt become so nasty? Lincoln wolfed it down for breakfast every morning, and she loved adding it to her strawberry banana smoothies. Mommy, I make the pee-pee. Lincoln had started stringing sentences together a few weeks ago. His adorable squeak still came as such a surprise that it took an extra second to register that these particular words were the polar opposite of delightful. She glanced at the keep calm and carry on print hanging on the kitchen wall. Was mom's sanity a diagnosable condition? Hmm. Something to research during nap time. Right now, it was time to refocus on her nearly two-year-old, nearly potty-trained son, tugging at the waistband of her leggings, his hazel eyes a dead ringer for Ethan's, constantly shifting from green to brown to gold. Mommy? You hear me right now? It'd be great if her husband was here and not down in Boston, 200 miles away. She tossed the yogurt in the trash, just in case it was rancid. You made a pee-pee? Yep. Then he hunched, crestfallen.
but not in potty. Oh, shit. She tried channeling her inner Mary Poppins, despite the headache that had been nagging her since she woke up. Um, well, mistakes allow thinking to happen. He wrinkled his nose. What you say? Never mind. So much for staying up last night studying communicating positively with your toddler. The tips that seemed so practical on the page at 10.30 felt ridiculous in practice today. Come see, come see, this way. He bolted from the kitchen. She shoved her iPhone into her demi-cup bra, thank God she was wearing one, and gave chase. Please, not the sofa. Anywhere but the sofa. While the mid-century loveseat complemented the cottage's nautical theme, it turned out that white wool wasn't exactly a toddler-friendly choice. Mom fail. Or maybe it was karma being a bitch. After all, scrolling through her former design firm's Instagram feed a few minutes ago was in clear violation of her New Year's resolution to live more in the present. But after noticing the foyer's dust bunnies had not only colonized, but were enjoying a population explosion under the shoe storage bench, she'd found herself escaping through the personal account of her replacement at Urban Interior Studios. In hindsight, a mistake in more ways than one. Emma Finley wasn't just leggy and platinum, but she'd also nabbed a coveted design award for a hot new sushi restaurant concept in Providence. And had that been Emma's seaport townhome, with the wrought iron fireplace and a Joe Malone candle burning in the background? Good grief. How much was the firm paying her? When Sadie had worked for the group, she'd felt fortunate to afford the rent on a pokey South Boston studio. Her lips crooked up at the memory of her old place with its clawfoot tub and creaky floors. Even after a long day, Sadie would always stroll the three blocks down to M Street Beach to read a few chapters on a park bench. Ethan had asked her to marry him in that apartment, her back pressed against the Formica countertop, while he kneeled on the kitchen rug. She furrowed her brows. If Ethan had proposed two and a half years ago, that meant she'd been gone from the firm for how long now? Two years? Yep, almost to the day. Just then, her boob buzzed. Tugging her phone back out, Ethan's name appeared on her screen. Honey, hi. Sadie instinctively smoothed a hand over her messy bun. Down the hall, Lincoln hopped from foot to foot, motioning for her to join him. Was it worth telling her husband that his first floor office might have sprung a leak? A Lincoln-sized leak. How'd your meeting go? Mommy, I say come see this silly pee-pee, Lincoln called. I still get M&M? She'd gobbled the last of the potty training treats for breakfast. Oops. Sore subject, Ethan groaned. The meeting was a bust. Her husband was currently splitting time between his remote home office in Maine and his company's corporate headquarters in Boston. The fall and holidays had gone fine with Ethan only making the trip a handful of times. Unfortunately, with January's arrival came a slew of reasons for Ethan to be on site. At this point, he was traveling to Boston every week, often for days at a time. Not the plan they'd made when deciding to relocate.